What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Uh, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. I'm all right. I'm a bit annoyed. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Uh, the saga continues. Those of you guys who've been following the uh, Instagrams, we've we've not had the best luck with places that we've been staying. Mainly Loki's place, but now my place. Uh, we had a fight with the estate agent. Those of you guys who followed, we basically, I basically got money stolen from me. They, I say they. You know what? I'm gonna say they. It was one person, but like definitely everyone knew. Uh, we're just lying about. I needed to pay eight. Uh, I needed to pay uh, management fees for the building because the building, obviously, you've got to keep upkeep and maintenance issues and all that. I'm like, of course, that makes sense, right? Yeah, it kind of makes sense. I'm not from around here. Uh, that ended up being like about £1,000 over five months, maybe a little bit more. And uh, luckily, we met the landlady as we moved in. And she's like, no, there's no fees. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't got that money. And I'm like, well, if you haven't got that money, Who's got that money? This little rat bastard had my money. Uh, so we went to war, honestly. I think I think they really uh, try and call the bluff as much as possible. They, and this is for anyone who's moving out here. There's no such thing as uh, any other fee other than like the agency fee. You pay the agency fee to source a place for you to stay, which is not cheap, by the way. It's still about 700 pound, which is crazy. So you have to pay that every time with, that they find you a new place. Um, but I get it, right? You pay them a fee to find the, the, the be the liaison, uh, and then nothing else happens. So anyone else trying to get you out of anything, you only and if there is a management fee, you would only pay the landlady that or the landlord that. So that's very very important to know. So anyway, I went to war. Um, I don't think they were expecting it. I think most people just go, okay, fine, okay, fine, and they just keep signing over and keep paying money. But I was like, alarm bells were ringing actually when I first met this guy. He was just slime ball, you know. The, the first guy we were talking to was pretty polite, pretty uh, pretty all right, to be honest. I'm sure, I'm so sure he knows about some dodgy stuff as well, but give him a bod, which is a benefit of the doubt. Um, he like handed it over to this other guy because he had the uh, contact, and this guy was just slime ball from day one. I really wasn't enjoying the comments he was making, and you know, just those people who were twitching from day one and trying to compliment you and put you in, up on a pedestal and all that. I'm like, yeah, bro, just just, just sign me the place. So we got messed around a lot. He basically forced, uh, he basically coerced both me and the landlady to sign for the 5th of December. It's now the 11th of December. And only now today, the place becomes fully furnished. Uh, the contract was written to be fully furnished. The contract was written to be full bills included. The contract was written for the 5th. Uh, we got to the fifth, the place was empty, to the point that Loki had to be on a mattress on a floor. It was just, just, just like fucking horrendous at that point, after everything we'd been through. Um, the landlady had been coerced, saying that we didn't mind that it was going to be unfurnished until the 11th, and we got told that the landlady was going to make sure it was furnished on the 5th. Uh, and he was taking money from her, he was taking money from us. I think he got off with about like 15, 20,000 dirhams, which is like four or five grand. Uh, whether or not he was doing this to, I'm sure he was, to loads and loads of people. Um, but I wasn't about to let it slide. Uh, so we must have been in there four or five times. Um, they hated us by the end of it, but I really couldn't care less. Um, 
but you know, at every step that they could, and this is Al-Fahin estate agents, by the way, from the thousand people that listen to this, if you ever give, if you ever come here, don't avoid them at all costs. Um, they just lied at every opportunity. And you know what, like I, like, I just don't like a lie, even if the lie doesn't impact us, right? I, I don't like it, like don't tell me you'll be 15 minutes and then be an hour. I hate it, just tell me you'll be an hour. Don't tell me I'm gonna move on the 5th if they can't get it furnished for the 11th. Say, sorry sir, I'm so, so sorry. But we can't get it furnished for the 11th, that's all we can do. All we can do is, you know, cancel the contract or get you in somewhere new or you just gotta wait. And then at least we know we have visibility and we can do it. Um, but every opportunity they could, they did lie. Um, even to the point when I asked for my checks, uh, and I had to ask for them very, very, uh, the way you do it here is you give them, if you've got six months rent, you give them six checks up front, but you date them at the beginning of every month so they can't be cashed, so then they can just cash one check at a time. Very strange, don't know why a standing order on a contract isn't enough. Clearly contract law here isn't very good. Um, otherwise, you like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if you've got a contract in the UK, like you abide by that or you're fucked, right? So uh, it doesn't make sense that I can't just, which is way more efficient because you've got to go into a bank and you've got to cash the check and I could just click three buttons on my phone and send them the money. Even now, I sent the first rent month, uh, the, we've sorted it, but I even had to send the first month rent, and she's like, yeah, sure, no worries. And then I'm like, cool, can I do this next month? She's like, no, I need a check. I'm like, all right, okay, well, we've signed a contract now, so, you know, what's going on? So even when I asked for my checks, they brought me photocopies of them, and I'm like, I don't know, no, give me the real things, bro. And they're like, oh, we don't have them, so the landlady has them. I'm like, oh, here we go. I've just come from the landlady. The landlady does not have them. Oh, sorry, sir, the agent has them. Oh, so the agent is just carrying around my checks in his pocket, and he realized what he said. And then miraculously, seven minutes later, someone comes up with my checks. And I'm like, okay, cool. I grab the checks, grab them straight off them, and oh, we walk out the door, and I just think, I better check these checks. There's two of the checks are missing. The, the one check, which was for six months' rent, which is 10,000 pounds, was missing. And I'm like, these motherfuckers. So we turned right around. I said, give me my other two checks. And then they walk into the office and find them. And I'm like, how have you found them in the office when a minute ago you had to leave the office to go get my checks? I'm like, because this guy mother, this guy had them in his pocket, that's why. Um, and this wasn't even the guy who took the 4,000 dirhams. So anyway, that all got sorted. I realized I'm gonna come get my money back the next day. So I told them and texted the guy as well. Uh, this was crazy, by the way. I texted the guy saying, if you don't have my money by tomorrow, I'm calling the police. I'm calling uh, Rera, anyone out there uh, who uh, uh, is in Dubai, Rera, R-E-R-A. It's like the rental agency, something or other. Uh, and the DLD, which is the Dubai Land Department, and also the police. Those are the three people you need to be contacting if you have any issues with anything. And the moment you mention them, these motherfuckers shit themselves. So I said I was going to call them. I want my money back. Anyway, I go in the following, and this guy argues with me. Bro, I know the law, and just, I could just smell the bluff. You know, I could smell the bluff, because he, he goes, I know the law, so I haven't broken it. And I say, fine, if you haven't got nothing to worry about, we'll see tomorrow when the police come. And he goes, okay, with a thumbs up. And I, ooh, it makes my blood boil. Um, so I left it, like, five minutes, and then he messages me again. And then he messages me again. I think, ah, the rat's been found out now. I thought maybe, you know what, if he's going to stick by his guns and just be like, fine, I haven't broken the law, come find me. 
it makes me think twice, think, oh, maybe maybe he does know it better than I do, right? I'm new here, he's an estate agent, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then as soon as he started messaging me again, I knew I had him by the absolute scrotum. Uh, and he was just saying, sir, I will still fix your, I will fix your Wi-Fi for you as, as agreed out of my own pocket. I'm like, as agreed, we signed it on the contract, brother. Uh, and which he didn't do, by the way. Uh, we had to do that. Um, anyway, we went in the following day. The owner was there. He immediately wrote me out a check for the amount of money that was missing and said sorry. And I thought, that's dodgy, man. You know, you know what he's done there. You know what he's done there. And uh, he told me that he was gone, as in fired. Uh, later to find out that he wasn't fully fired. Um, and he'd been given the opportunity to make it right. And then he would have kept his job, which is disgusting because he stole from me yeah the little rat stole from me uh, so if someone steals in my business they're out no second chances no questions asked so it makes me think he probably goes you take five thousand from them you give me three thousand and you can keep two thousand that makes me think that's how that goes he was a rude guy as well um, he kind of just really didn't want to be there, but for 4,000 dirhams, which is about 900 pound, I don't think he was willing to go through the full argument. So he was like, here's the 4,000 dirhams, of which I'm still waiting to be cleared, by the way. So hopefully that gets cleared. Um, then uh, he rang me, the, the guy who stole my money rang me the, the next night, like Friday night at like 10.30 p.m. when I'm in bed. Uh, and he was begging for me to drop everything. Uh, and he offered to pay for my full five month rent, which is 10,000 pounds over that five months, or maybe a little bit less. Um, so it tells me that he's either stolen from a lot of people and he's got a lot of money that he could get rid of, or something bad was about to happen. So I told him, you should be in jail, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't want your stolen money. I don't care that you're going to lose your job. I don't care that you're going to get deported. You should be. And he just was just like, oh, shit. He was like, fucked up big time, bro. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, now you're heading back to Pakistan. So, wagwan, you know. Uh, went in the following day um, because ultimately, like, they coerced me into a contract and then wrote me a letter to say that I could get out of the contract after five months. And then... I showed that to the landlady and she's like, no, I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even, not that she's lovely and she's not rude, but in like to keep the conversation short or the story short, she said, I wouldn't have even brought you in if you were gonna be doing this for five months. I wouldn't have paid for every, all of the furniture in for five months because she's probably spending two months of the rent for just four months back. So it's not, obviously it works out long term, but she doesn't like to deal with, if something goes wrong, she has to fix it because she's in and out of the country, right? And I, I do kind of get it, I understand it. So she said, you've got two choices. And this obviously it sounds harsh, but she said it very, very nicely. You either leave or you've got to pay me an extra thousand dirhams a month. And obviously we're already moved. The place where we are right now, or I am right now, uh, is uh, I could throw a stone to Loki's room. So it's a perfect place, it's a perfect time. It's, uh, it kind of left us no choice, but like, so I kind of just have, I just had to pay that extra. Because we've been doing this, we've been, doing, we've been here for five weeks and at no point have we, as like, Loki really been settled. So it kind of, it was, we had to get this done. So I wasn't holding a grudge against her, I understood. So I said, right, cool. I want my extra thousand then, right? So I go back in and I say, look, now I have to pay an extra thousand because it's not furnished. 
the contract in which you have signed says 6,500. This is dirhams, by the way, not pounds. And, you know, they, they uh, ultimately they said that they've been frauded as well, as well by this guy. I mean, you know, we can, we, can, we can point fingers at them as much as I want, but on paper, by the law, like I get, I get their argument. He was basically saying that he stole money from the company, he stole money from us, he stole money from from the landlady as well. So they're going through the legal process, whatever that is, bullshit. And if you ask me, and they said that if they get any money back from him, they'll be passing it on to me. So I'm basically owed, in my opinion, I'm owed another five thousand dirhams, which is about twelve hundred pound, uh, because I've got to pay that extra every month, uh, which which wouldn't have happened if we hadn't had this mess happen so that's like the full story it was like a lot more intense than that like that's like highlights that like i've talked to this guy too much he lied at every opportunity he was he made me drive around this whole place for hours i spent at least at least four or five hours in there in their uh, estate agency building over over the last like two weeks uh and like there was a point where me and Loki were both just at boiling point, just everything was going wrong, and it doesn't even matter if anyone was nice to us. So I was like, "Fuck this guy, he's too nice," you know. We were just so angry on self-destruct mode, uh, and and you know what? For the first time, I kind of understood like, and this is completely tangent. If your like home life was like that, where you've got someone who's a serial liar or constantly pushing your buttons, or Maybe you've got a brother, sister, and you know parents, that, and that home life is like I get how it leaked out into your life, because for a week straight, I just felt like uncontrollably angry all the time, and uh, yeah, that kind of made me think a little bit. But yeah, it was very, very stressful. We, you touched wood. I think everything's done now, right? So, internet is sorted in Loki's place. We've moved now. He's two minutes away. He's finally got all his final furniture in today. Literally 20 minutes before we start this podcast. So the last thing to do is get a cleaner in. And then we can breathe and hopefully put this all behind us. Um, it was very, very stressful uh, for everyone involved. you know. And I hope that uh, a few lessons can be learned. Just be careful with your agency fee. Be very, very clear on what you're paying. And make sure you speak to the landlord and say, I am paying this, does this sound right? Um, because I didn't do that in the first place either. And, you know, we, there were a few things that went wrong in the first place as well, but that's for another podcast. Um, but a lot of lessons learned over this four weeks, Jesus, you know, uh, that the, the, uh, the uh, safety and quality of life that you expect in Dubai I think we found a little bit of the dark side to the estate agency. And actually, my dad used to live here for 10 years, and when I was telling him the issues, he was like, I'm not surprised. They did it with everyone, they did it with me. They do it with a lot of people, and a lot of people we've had a conversation with have either heard of someone or had a really, really bad experience with an estate agent as well. So be very, very careful. These guys will suck money out of you. Even if it's a 1,000 dirhams, which is about 200 pounds, like when you're changing places and people and things need fixed and furniture needs places and management fees might be a thing and agency, like you kind of don't really know, right? So just be very, very clear on those things. Yeah, there you go, 50 minutes of trash. Um, <laughs> so everything else is good. Like we're, we're kind of settled now. Um, I feel like the first month was a little bit of a waiting game 
we were kind of in the uh, in limbo, which doesn't make me feel good anyway. Like being in limbo when you're waiting for something to ha to happen, that doesn't make me feel too good. So now we're here, we can really kind of kick on and uh, get on with. I guess bodybuilding. I guess that's what I do, isn't it? So bodybuilding. We're about a week away from beginning our blast. I'm taking two days off right now. Today's Monday. I usually train, but I took yesterday off Sunday, today off Monday, and then I'm going to run some blood work tomorrow, and then go train. And then Wednesday will be a rest, Thursday I'll do my check-in, and then it should be blast-off. Blood work was pretty good like four weeks ago, or three weeks ago when I first got here, so it should be, it should be pretty good, unless I've caught some weird disease in the meantime. I, I'm pretty sure everything will be good, so it'll just be straight into a blast, straight into three weeks of a deficit, and uh, then we kind of push on up into the new year for three months or so to get as much more size on as physically possible before prep. And then we'll prep in May. Um, haven't formally said the shows, I'll probably leave that for a little bit yet, but September-ish. Uh, they also haven't released a full, uh, the full list yet, which is kind of strange because it's getting towards the end of the year, people need to start planning. But yeah, September-ish, I'm hoping we can get back over the other side of the world again. Uh, actually, Toronto is looking like we could line that up again which would be really really nice um see some old friends like prep there for a little bit as well and then uh go around america and uh hopefully you know hopefully hopefully get the information that i need uh in order to know where i stand and know what i need to do to improve i've, I've got a feeling that size is probably going to be the issue still um as it always is but i'm hoping to get the good feedback on shape, balance, hopefully posing by then as well. And uh, we can get a really, really clear indicator as to like what level I'm at and where I need to go. And then, uh, you know, I think I liken this to my first year at trying a pro card, my first year at trying to win a pro show. It's like outside chance, you get a shit show, not many people turn up and I nail everything. Yeah, maybe, but odds, odds, odds aren't like super high, I don't think. So this is very much like a, let's, let's make a mark, let's make a face, let's let everyone know I'm doing classic now and see how that goes. Um, that's it for the update. Like I'm gonna run through a load of questions. Finally, my uh, Instagram is kind of normal-ish at the moment, which has taken a long time to kind of get figured out. But I think I mentioned in the last podcast, I've finally got an app that can change my location and it's actually working. So story views are back to normal. People asking questions are back to normal. DMs are back to normal, which is very good. And actually, like I'm actually seeing some upturn back in business, which is good. I think that was the hardest, hardest thing about going away, especially to Canada where it was so expensive, especially when I was building the one of our team as well, you know, spending maybe double, not that, not, not that it's like crazy amounts of money, but I was spending maybe double but then my income was just halving. So you spend double half your income, it's not a good, it's not a good equation. Um, so I had to, like I said, cut back on a lot of those spendings. Um, and now, like, I am nowhere near where I was a year ago or a year and a half ago now, but it's, it's not lower than what it was two months ago. It's a bit higher. So there, I think the inverted U has started to climb back up. So. Just got to keep the momentum up now and not fall into a uh, pit of depression like usual. <laughs> that's the kind of the hard part, right? So um, that's what we do. We're going to some questions now. Uh, I won't waffle on too long. I do want to keep these like 30 to 35 minutes or so. 
feel like attention spans are actually you know what podcast is kind of different because you can kind of waffle on for a bit and people can like listen to 20 minutes leave it come back listen to the rest of the 20 minutes so i'll just see where these last there's a lot of questions but some of them aren't super super relevant okay so uh two seconds my laptop just all right cool we're good um, do you think anabolic use leads to a much faster rate of skin aging compared to naturals? I feel like this is personal. You bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. I literally, I literally have pictures of myself from 25 years old. It was, I was 25, nearly 26, November like 11th or something was like my first injection. So it's almost five years to the date that I started anabolics. And I looked like a child. Like 25, I was like, I'm gonna be one of those guys who ages really slow. And then uh, 20, 26, I was still pretty young. 27, I was like, damn, I'm, I'm 30 now. And then 28, I was 35. And then 29, I was like 40. And then I just remained at 40. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, not only that, but like bodybuilding, squinting your face, like a lot, you know, a lot of things like that can really weather the skin um, along with just the oxidative stress which is basically just like your body working on overdrive like yeah you age quicker you do you genuinely age quicker um, I've done a few things to try and counteract it I don't know if you guys can notice I do have Botox like right across my my eyes and my top and my top line is kind of worn off a little bit but because uh, I did it like two months ago but every like three months or so I'll get a little Botox update and actually like it just stops the crinkles in your head and it makes me feel better. I don't really care about anyone's opinion on it. It just makes me feel better. Um, and like there were times where I looked at my face and think, well, I'm haggard. Um, but it's really, give me a bit more confidence, if I'm honest. I've got my teeth done. If you guys can tell, these pearly whites and all my things, I got them done. Uh, I didn't get them like, I didn't get, they are kind of, well, I guess people call them turkey teeth, but I didn't get the traditional turkey teeth where they like file your teeth down to little specks and then like clip them off. Oh, it makes me cringe. Uh, makes my like my can my fucking nerve endings tingle in my teeth. Uh, they literally like took. Unfortunately, I had I had um, Invisalign before, so my teeth were really good. And I had braces when I was a kid, so I didn't have like a lot of jaw issues or teeth issues or crooked teeth. So my teeth were relatively perfect. And then I just kind of got like caps on them, like little. Uh, they're still um, they're still veneers, but they're like little caps on them and believe it or not they're not the whitest ones by like three they're like here's the whitest ones here's the second whitest ones here's like the third whitest ones and here's natural and I was like well I don't want to just have naturally white ones I was like I'll just go one up but there was two markers above mine which is just insane I can't even imagine what they would look like um this is a good question because I've been thinking I actually had this conversation the other day but if you were 21 again and had the opportunity to stay natural would you or would you not well this guy obviously thinks I'm younger than I am I started when I was 25 not 21 um, I like to say because I think the pain of regret is a lot and the baggage of regret is a lot and I think it can weigh a lot of the men down maybe maybe women as well but i can speak for men i think there's a lot of middle-aged men that look back on their life and think fuck like i should have i should have capitalized on those moments i should have taken that trip i should have sacrificed this i should have gone for that and 
I think that weighs a lot of men down. You know, you talk about like a midlife crisis. I think that is kind of where it happens from. Uh, and I, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to be that person. And I think I probably realized that when I was going to go assisted, but would it have helped my career? I do think it would have done. Would it have given me a better chance to be at the Olympian out? I probably could have been there by now. You know, if I started at 21, I would have been on there for four more years. I would have been on steroids for four more years. Uh, and yeah, okay, maybe I didn't build as big a natural foundation. I didn't have as much muscle mass to start off with. But after a year of steroids, I would have been as big as I naturally could have been anyway. Maybe two years, right? That still gives me three years worth of extra, extra sauce. But also it gives me an extra four years of um, anabolics and weathering and you know, blood work issues and blood pressure issues and blah, 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 blah. So I'm not like, uh, I'm not filled with pain and regret from that one, but uh, there is a small slither in me that says, it would have been nice if I started a bit earlier. Think about Seabam, he's got five Olympias, he's 29. I think he's either 20, we're in the same year at school. So he's 29 and 30, right? We're the same year. And uh, Jeremy Buendia had four at 25, 26. So that aspect of things makes me think would have been nice, but I didn't. So I'm not going to live with that pain and regret. This is a good question. Do you think you would have benefit of coming off cycle for a bit, looking at the progress of Joe? I'm assuming you're saying his progress is better than mine, by the way. <laughs> um, no. I think more steroids, more time on steroids means more muscle, right? That is just the way that it is. So the seven or eight months that he did off, he wasn't progressing. He wasn't progressing. I don't think that he's necessarily progressing way, way, way faster because of that now. I think he might be progressing way, way faster now because his head's in the game, he's got a different coach, He's uh, going a little bit heavier on anabolics than maybe in the, in the past. He's had a really good baseline of blood work to go off. And I don't think he lost a lot of muscle. I think that's, that's what people forget, is that he was huge before, right? He was in saunas to try and make weight before. Um, I don't think he lost much muscle. Yeah, I think that level of permanent muscle sticks around for a while. Uh, unless you're actively trying to lose it, which he wasn't, right? He did it for like a month when he was doing the, the hybrid stuff, but then he kind of went back to bodybuilding pretty quick. He was never going to lose that muscle that, that easily. So there's a part of genetics that just lends its hand to different people. And I've always said this about Joe. Um, I don't know whether it's different in any way, but from my perspective, he might think differently, but from my perspective, He's always grown really, really well. He, he, he's had to eat less food than me. Like he, he eats like the same amount of food that I do now. And I'm like in a maintenance phase, like coming down in calories. And he's just still growing at like 130. So he's always had to eat less food than me. Uh, he's always been able to eat for longer than me. Like he's got like a huge appetite. Yeah, I was gonna say problem, but it's not a problem. He's got a huge appetite. He's got a... And like, he doesn't hit that wall of puking up as quickly as I do. Uh, so I have always thought that he's grown really, really well. Um, and pretty just like consistently. Like he's just done a six month bulk. 
did blood work and a heart scan and everything else. And it's all good. He's going to go do another six months now. And, and I'm like, can you keep eating? He's like, yeah, I can definitely keep eating. I'm like, bro, I did six months and I just couldn't eat anymore. So that's where my genetic capacity stops, which is really annoying. And it may be the downfall one day, but I'm going to keep going until then. But just not being able to take my body weight to the level that it needs to be is is a big issue, right? I just got to 124 kilos this last one, and I just couldn't get higher. I've been 127 before, but my food wasn't wasn't as high. I don't know for whatever reason my metabolism was a little bit slow back then. But it's uh, it's very very difficult for me to grow. But when I get lean, when I cut, my body changes. My body goes from like looking relatively. Uh, I'm at a point now where I'd, I would say not bad, not good, but like I'm obviously like pretty big now, 120 kilos of muscle. It's a lot. It's a lot of muscle, but I almost like just visually change so much when I get lean, and I forget that when when you're fat for so long and you're fat for over a year, you think, "Fuck, I'm really not big enough." But when I come in, there's something. Whatever happens, whether it's the muscle bellies, the density that I have, the I just really look bigger. Um, which is kind of crazy. Like I remember last year cutting and getting down to like 105 kilos and looking twice the size I was at like 120. So I'm one of those people that kind of uh, really transforms on the way down. I'm not saying that Joe doesn't or, or doesn't transform, but just for myself, uh, I find the off season the hardest part. So I don't think I'd benefit anymore. Um, otherwise I would have done it, I think. I would have done everything at every point to get the most out of what I can do. Um, and then this is the same guy, he said, following on the previous question, do you feel like it would be time wasted? Yeah, exactly. Uh, or you haven't got the time to waste? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm 30, I don't want to be doing this. Like, I said to myself, 10 years on steroids, 25 to 35, so I've got five years to try and do what I need to do now. Or I shouldn't say that, because I'm 31 this month. Four, and, uh, four years and one month to try and achieve what I want to achieve. Uh, of course, like if I get, if I'm like 35 and I like get second in the Olympia, like am I going to try and get first? Probably. Or, fir or first call outs or something? Yeah, probably. But I've said to myself 10 years, so I'll give myself that. And, you know, 35's, I, don't, I was going to say 35's old, but like, unless you're super, super, super genetically gifted, like 35's like the middle range for most people. You think about Breon, he's 43. Um, a lot of these guys in the top five, apart from Urs are in their 30s, so, yeah, not, uh, I haven't got that time to waste, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> have you ever used your size to stop an altercation, i.e. have you ever got out of a car and they see you're huge, so, yes, many, I don't use it, I just, they just notice it, and the thing is, is like, size doesn't mean shit, right, like, if you could throw a punch, you'd probably beat me, because I can't throw a punch, I never punched anyone, or maybe back in the day, like, in rugby, or maybe a, in a club one time. Um, I remember this specifically I, I live on this really really awkward hill uh, where my mum lives and you have to reverse out onto a main road and it's really really hard to see and it's on a hill as well so it's really hard to see like around the corner it's hard to gauge how fast people are going and if people are going too fast um, it's a little bit dodgy right but I've been doing it for like whatever 12 years so I'm, I'm pretty good at it anyway so I'm reversing out this one time and I see a guy flying down the hill. So I like pull back in, but he's flying and he's honking on his horn like that. So I fucking honk back on my horn because I know that he's going over 30 miles per hour by far. And then, I, and then as I look back, he passes me and I'm like honking on my horn as well. He fucking slams his brakes on and I'm like reversing out as he does this. 
he gets out of the car, it's like a middle-aged man, and I think, I'm gonna fucking kick your teeth in, mate. Not actually, but I wanted to. So I pull my handbrake up, get into neutral, get out of the car, and he, within five milliseconds, goes up and just turned around and got back in his car. <laughs> I was in my shorts, I was in the vest, I was ready to go to the gym. And he was just like, ah, shit, I'm gonna lose this. But it just shows, like, you know, people have a stranger, like, people judge you straight away from how you look, right? And I, I really don't like it, and the bigger I've got, physically, uh, and also, like, horrendously, like, on social media, like, I've just noticed that people treat me different. And it's all positive for me, of course it is, positive for me, oh, well, you're big, I'm not gonna mess with you, or, oh, you've got 100,000 followers, you, you know, we could train together. But what I notice is how they treat the people around me. Like, for example, uh, Amy sometimes when I introduce, when I, or I come in, like they don't even look at her. And I'm like, you guys are fucking, like, I hate that. So I really like judge people on how they talk to her or how they talk, talk to Loki. Because people who just see us all as the same person, that's the people I want to be around. Not the people who just see the one person with followers and, oh, he's the, you know, it's just like, it's, I just don't like that, and the, and, the, and, the, and the the saying, the rich get richer, like I get it. The more followers I get, the more free stuff people send me. The more, big, the bigger I get, the more people like look at me twice and go, damn, what does he do? And I'm not the biggest fan of that, so, yeah, it's funny, that's just like an example of, of how people would, would judge me visually. Um, Let's get a few more. Sleep is pretty shit recently, so Jonathan, you should uh, message me personally and let me know which parts of your sleep. Um, he's one of my clients, that's why I say that. But anyone who struggles with sl sleep, you gotta try and identify which part of sleep is hard. Is it getting to sleep or is it staying to sleep? And that's pretty, that's pretty much it, right? You can either stay up with your brain worrying and you can't quite you know, rest yourself to get to sleep, or you wake up in the night, you pee, or you wake up in the night and you get restless again, um, or you just keep waking up. So those are two aspects of, of sleep. One of them could be dopamine related, one of them could be serotonin related. Um, and basically based off those, you could implement something to help you get to sleep, melatonin, magnesium biglycinate, something to help you stay asleep, 5-HTP, magnesium biglycinate. Um, but it's really hard for me to give you like a blanket how to fix your sleep if I don't know what's wrong with your sleep. But the simple rules, what a lot of people could take, which maybe they don't do, a cool room, a dark room, uh, taking 30 minutes off your phone before, white noise, um, comfy bed, comfy pillows, like those are like five things you can do for free. I guess you've got to pay for a bed and, bed and pillows, but those are like five things that you can relatively do for free that can help you get into sleep. You've got to cool down in order for you to get to a deep sleep. Your heart rate's got to slow, like that's not going to happen in a really hot room, so. Uh, you, your, your eyes and body, in fact, even your hands have photo light receptors. Photo is light, photoreceptors. So if I'm sat right here, even with my eyes closed, or facing this way, facing this way away, away from the window, like my, I can still feel its light, which is kind of weird, right? Because you still are detecting it. And even if you are, you're in a, in that room and there's like cracks of light coming through, your body starts to pick that up and tells you that it's like time to wake up. What if you've gone to bed at like 4 a.m. and it's 6 a.m. Like the last thing you want to do is wake up. So a really dark room really, really helps. That's why some people use an eye mask, but also doesn't always work. An eye mask will work better because most of your light, uh, your light receptors are in your eyes. 
of course, is what we, which where we bring in light and uh, produce what's in front of us, but you do have some elsewhere as well. So that's important to know. That's like some basic tips, but if you, um, if you get a little bit more in terms of like what are the issues of it of your sleep, then you can get a little bit more accurate. Um, let's do a few more. Will you be going back to Canada or will you be doing a different company, uh, country? We fell in love with Canada. Like to the point where I feel like I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go somewhere else in case it's not as good. <laughs> I don't want to go spend like three months somewhere else in case it's not as good as Canada because we just loved it. It's very expensive. That's the only drawback and it is quite a drawback to be honest. Um, but we loved it. The people, the environment, the food, the weed <laughs> was great. Um, the gym. So it was, it was a really good time. So I'm thinking there, I just can't think of where else that has a really, really good gym, relatively good weather over that period of time. Uh, yeah, it's really hard. Like I think, okay, Vegas, well, Vegas is a desert and it's fucking roasting. So I might as well be in Dubai. Okay, well, Texas, Texas is even worse. It's humid. So it's like, you can't even breathe there. Although it's a very, very good gym there. Um, Florida is the same. It's like almost too hot over June, July, and August. So, but Canada, it's like a British summertime. You can have cooler days sometimes, have some nice days sometimes. Everywhere is air conditioned and also has heating. Um, so I don't know. Any ideas? Let us know. Um, what would you say is the most important training principle for hypertrophy? Doing more than last time. Um, doing more than last time. It's really, really simple. Yeah, same form, same effort level, more weight. That is literally it. Uh, if you find that you can't progress that weight, but those effort levels and intensity are the same, there's a problem with either your volume or your recovery. So you're either not eating enough or you're doing too much. That is like as breaking it down to as simple as can be. So now that you've been to Canada and Dubai and coming from the UK, where would you settle? Not the UK at all. I. Whew, Sorry for my uh, my UK peeps who either can't get out or don't want to get out or you like it there, that's fine. But for me, I don't like the politics. I don't like the roads. I don't like the gyms. Uh, a lot of the people, not all, there's some beautiful people out there, but a lot of the people are, they've got that edge to them that doesn't like other people seeing, uh, doesn't like seeing other people do well. And I'm really not a big fan of that. So, uh I'd like to do Canada, but you know what? Like, I'm not about to prepared. I'm not prepared to go pay 45% of my income to the tax man again. That's also brutal. Right here is zero. I don't pay anything. And what's crazy about that is I could, I could make a post, and of course this is for my business, but also for you guys. I could make a post like I did last night, and I could say. Uh, and this was true, I forgot to change my training programs uh, to back to their full price, which is like thirty-five ninety-nine. Uh, they were nine ninety-nine over Black Friday, and because they're on a different system than one of our, I just forgot to go on it, and that's my bad. And I made a post, and I said, guys, uh, I'm gonna leave this up for one more day, and then, you know, 12 people bought it. Well, that's, that's 120 pound. That is <laughs> a nice meal out. That is a, a new piece of clothing. Whereas if that was anywhere else, nearly anywhere else in the world, it's actually like 60 pound, which is still great. Of course it's still great, but it's like, you're literally keeping all of it, which blows my mind, which blows my mind. I've still got tax to pay. So 
it's not blowing my mind as much as it will do when I've paid off that tax. But uh, once I've paid off my final bills, which are they're so big that I can't pay them off in one go, which is just so savage. And you know, more for more for more for me for not putting myself in the position where I had that money to pay it and I did it all right. But you know what? The only people, the only person. Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. But one of the biggest things that I blame is the government. It is the education system. It is the fact that at every single point that they could offer me some help, they don't. They could have given us a tax lesson once every other week as a mandatory lesson. You know, we do it. We did economics. We did business. Half an hour of that could be how to file your taxes and how to save money for your taxes. But at no point do they do that. So instead, you just do this. They say, you don't need to pay tax for the first 18 months. So you think, great, you don't need to do that. And then you pay tax over that whole 18 months. So I'm like, well, why would I do that in the first place? What benefit is that to go to get the business cash flow up and running? I'm like, well, the business cash flow is up and running and now I've got a huge 18 month tax bill. It's just, it, it just doesn't make sense. You finally work yourself up to, and this is like a, working for yourself, not a business, not one that you buy and sell a lot. Uh, talking about coaching, you finally make £85,000 a year, we make £86,000 a year. Okay, well, we now we want 20% VAT on that. So you just lose 20% of your income when you're at eighty to eighty-five to 90000 The only time VAT becomes worth it is if you're spending a load of stuff, which we just don't do. So I'm just, you know, okay, well, you're at the 40 ten, you're at the 40% tax bracket now. Okay, well, now you've got to pay 20% of that as well because you're earning enough of VAT. So then you've got to do some things, like you've got to set up a company, you've got to pay for that. Okay, you've got to set up two companies because if you have one company that owns the other company, how the fuck am I supposed to know this? And in order to know this, I've got to pay someone £5,000 to tell me. So it's just, you know, it's just... And it's actually really simple. Like, now that I understand it, it's really, really simple. And I could have done it all for about 500 myself. But instead, I paid 5000 for an accountant who spent two years learning accountant and just tells me how to do it. So the system is like built for us to fail and it just frustrates the hell out of me. The fact I can't get an appointment at the NHS, the fact that if people need surgery, they can't get it for six months. It's just like, nah, I'd rather pay zero tax and pay for my medical system um, and have things fixed in a day and have a pothole on the road fixed and blah, blah, blah. Sorry for everyone who loves the UK. Uh, we got 42 minutes on here, so I'll do one more question. Or a few more questions if they're short. Feeling better mood-wise? I am. Thank you so much. Uh, is running test only a waste of a course? Absolutely not. It should be great for a start course, second course, and probably third course. Start at 200, then do 300, then do 400. Super simple. Um, um, you know what? A lot of these questions I can see myself waffling on. So what I will do is I will save these ones. And I will answer some of them on my story. And the ones that I don't, I will uh, do in the next podcast. So, guys, if you enjoyed this, drop a rating. Tag us on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to open up a new YouTube channel to make sure you guys can see as well. So, what's up, everybody? How you doing? And, uh, yeah, guys, I appreciate you all for listening. Don't forget to comment, which you can't do because we're not on YouTube. Don't forget to drop a rating. Uh, peace, everybody. Bye.